0: Today, I want to continue to talk about this concept of biblical, spiritual oneness that is God's reality and God's plan for our marriages, and not just for our marriages, for our relationships in community. Did you hear what I said? Can you hear me all the way back there? Can you hear me? Good. Without turning, I want you to hear this verse this morning, because this this is one of these power-packed verses that I think is is a beautiful verse, that there is so many things to talk about when you talk about this verse. Paul has a beautiful treatise on marriage in Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to specifically hit on this verse that says in Ephesians 5.31, it says, "...for this reason..." A man will leave his father and mother and be united. There's that word, look at there, and be united to his wife. And then it says this, and the two will become one flesh. The two will become one flesh. Last week, I uh, challenged uh, those of you that uh, are here, that are married, I challenged you to do what we call a stop, start, continue in your marriages with your wife and with your husband. And this is basically an exercise that allows you to speak in to each other's life about the observations that you see in your spouse that maybe readily wouldn't necessarily come up and you wouldn't necessarily talk about these things. I've heard from numerous people at Midtown, both downtown and at 12 South, that many married couples weren't able to do this exercise because they were afraid that if they asked their husband or wife, what do I need to stop, what do I need to start, what do I need to continue, that they would have just got into further problems in their marriage. What does that tell you, my friends? By the way, this is a great exercise for you to do with your friends in your small group. This is a great exercise for you to do with your friends that you call close to you. I thought it would be appropriate for me, since I asked you to do this, I did it with my wife this week, and I thought it would be good if I shared with you her responses to me. Would you like to see them? No, seriously, would you? Are you curious at all? You should be, because uh, I've got a lot of garbage in my life, (laughs) and um, I need uh, my wife of almost 30 years to help me. And uh, so I uh, said, honey, what, what is it that you'd like me to stop in our marriage, in our life? What would you like me to stop? And she shared this one right here. I want you to stop giving all of your creativity to Midtown. Our family needs and wants some of that creativity. Oh. <sighs> I give you creativity, right? This is all what I'm wanting to say, right? Because I mean, are you following with me? God forbid that anybody would ever look at me, especially my wife and say, hey, this is one thing that I see and that I wouldn't move into the complete defense mode. Are you tracking? I mean who are you to tell me what I need to stop guess what I got a list for you of a hundred miles long what you need to stop are you ready for my thunder (laughs) do I honestly believe that God could actually use my wife to speak something to me oh no I live with her God could use other people but she's exempt. She's exempt from the story that the Lord wants to tell in my life, or he's exempt. Stop. I want you to stop using your creativity, all your creativity for Midtown and give us some as the family. Hmm. All right, Lord. That's hard to hear. I need to stop. What do I need to start? I need to start thinking about an activity that the two of us can share in. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking to myself, I do that. Are you hearing what I'm doing right now? Because it's what we all do. I'm not hearing what's being said to me. All I'm hearing is an indictment of me. And I'm going to defend myself. And that comes from somewhere. There's a reason why I am always in the mode of defending myself. It has a lot to do with my pride and a lot of misunderstanding about who I am as a man who lives in this world. So, uh, we were at Home Depot yesterday walking through uh, the plants and I looked at my wife and I said, maybe this is an activity we need to do together like maybe we need a garden together. Oh, it was like it was like the notebook, the movie. <laughs> she goes. She goes. Oh. That's exactly what she did. It was her exact. She goes, "Oh." <laughs> I'm thinking of chili peppers and salsa garden. She's thinking, "Oh." Right? So I chuck one up on the good part of the scorecard, right? (laughs) So stop, start, and here's my continue. Continue bringing me special coffee in the morning. I was hoping for a continue that would be a lot more noble than that. This concept of biblical oneness is one that obviously is very important to the Lord. It's important to the Lord in our marriages It's the Lord's, and now follow with me, it's the Lord's vision for us. It's His reality for us in our marriages, but I want you to make sure that I speak to you, especially for those of my friends here who aren't married. I want you to know that there's a beautiful, beautiful picture that is unfolded in the Scriptures of God's people being one people. So many of the principles that we're going to talk about today are going to apply to that. This marriage, this thing that we're talking about when we're talking about oneness, we're not talking about necessarily this concept that when Paul refers to, I want you you leave your father and mother, become united, you, the two will become one flesh. I talked with you last week and I said marriage is not necessarily this joining together of two worlds, but it is an abandoning of two worlds in order that one world might be formed. The two concepts are completely different. It's not that we just economically coexist in the same house. You have your life. I have my life. We get together on the bills. We eat together and kind of share a few things, and that's it. There's a, God wants to say something to the world in our marriages. He wants to say this, that He's King, that He's Lord. He wants to be glorified in our marriages. He wants our marriages to be an example of His love for the church to a dying world he wants our, our groups and our relationships to be the same example. At the wedding, you know, when you do the wedding thing and the people come down and they have the two candles, you know, I have my candle and your candle and then there's a what? There's a unity candle. And then there's that part of the ceremony where the bride walks up and the group walks up and they both extinguish the, their candle and they light what? One candle, right? That's the unity candle. <clears throat> and how marriage ends up working after about a year of marriage is we end up lighting, not, we end up blowing out the one candle, and we end up coming back and not just having candles, we have forest fires. I'm a forest fire of self-will and self-indulgence, of selfishness. And I dare you to try to extinguish that. It's true. Oneness, when we talk about oneness in all of our relationships, does not happen without something that's very important for all of us to hear today, especially me, and it's this. Oneness does not happen without total and complete abandonment. The call to be married bears comparison with Jesus' advice to the rich young ruler when he said to the rich young ruler, I want you to sell everything that you have, and I want you to follow me. Hey, guys, have you sold everything that you have? Ladies, wives, have you? I want you to sell everything that you have and come follow me. The fact of the matter is, and what we don't like is, is that love asks for everything. Not just a little bit of me. Father walks up to his son and suspected that his son had been stealing some coins from the coin jar. He looked at his son and he said, son, empty your pockets right now. So sure enough, the son puts all the change on the table. He's kind of looking sheepishly like he's caught with his hand in the cookie jar. And his dad looked at him and he said something really interesting. He said, is that all of it? Does your wife have all of it? Does your wife have all of it? Does she have all of you? Does your husband have all of you? Love asks for everything. In fact, love just doesn't say put the coins on the out of the pockets and everything that you have on the table, love really does something very unique. Love actually asks for so much that you, it actually turns you over and shakes you. It's like this. That looks like your daughter, Brent, I thought, when I saw that. That's what. By the way, get that. That's what love does. That's what our relationships ask for. Are you following with me? That's what God gave us in the person of his son Jesus when it says that Jesus emptied himself and took on the form of a servant and lived on this earth and died on this earth and resurrected and now lives at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, did you know that the Lord that you serve and that the Lord that lives in your life has given you everything? Didn't hold anything Back. Receive it. And it's the biggest thing that our relationships need and our groups need at 12 South and downtown. We need these people that are going to come together and just say, Hold me upside down and shake me hard. And I probably won't have a smile on my face when you're doing it like that shot. I want it all. One writer has said, though, that the central temptation that haunts every marriage and every relationship is the lack of wholehearted commitment. There's a secret resentment of the demands of marriage. It's really true. There's a reluctance to give away any more than is absolutely necessary. There's a constant temptation to pull back from the full intensity of the relationship. To get along with only the basic requirements. It's so true, isn't it? My dad used to, we used to have chores on Saturday. If we got our chores done on Saturday morning, we could go out Saturday night. My chore was always cleaning the garage. I don't know why that was the chore, but that was my chore. I was a master at cleaning half the garage and trying to cover over the rest of it so that he wouldn't know that I didn't clean the entire garage. That's kind of very indicative of my marriage. God forbid I would clean the garage, clean it out completely. My wife doesn't have all of me. Does she have my secrets? Does she have yours? Does she have your nightmares and the thing you fear the most? Does he... Well, <laughs> I mean, if you don't like it, if you, if you don't, I guess, like this, what I'm talking about, I want you to know that there's a way out. Yeah, there's, there's a way out. There's, if you don't like, if you, in, in, your, in your group or in your marriage, if you don't like the full intensity of what I'm talking about, there's a way, there's a way you can get out of it. You can do what almost all, every seems like 80% of marriages do, which is this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kind of abdicate connecting with you. We're going to live in the same house. We're going to eat the same food. We're going to sleep in the same bed six inches apart, but 1,200 miles apart. We're gonna do, I'm going to do that, but you're not going to get all of me. You're not going to get all the ugliness. There's a way out. And the way out is not divorce. The way out of marriage, no matter how bad, or relationship problems, no matter how bad the situation is, is simply this, to put everything, and I mean everything, back on the line. Our whole hearts and lives, just as we did the moment we took vows. We must return to an attitude of total and utter abandonment, of throwing off all our natural caution and defensiveness to the winds and putting ourselves entirely in the hands of love by an act of the will. And many of you, instead of falling in love, you may have to march right back into love. Are you willing to do it? Many of you are estranged from even somebody in your home or your stepdad or a friend or a coworker, or whoever the case may be. Some of you, by God's grace and only His strength, need to march back into love and need to close the space and you need to fight for oneness. Yes, it's a good challenge. Do it. So Oneness asks for total abandonment. It asks for everything. The other thing that oneness asks of us is for us to enter deeply into what we would call relational difficulty. Sorry so heavy this morning. Oneness also asks us to deeply enter into what we would call relational difficulty. Don't avoid it. Don't give up. Don't walk away. But I enter the turmoil and the difficulty in a completely different manner with my wife or my friends because of one thing, and it's this. I enter into that because of who I am. My friends, I am a forgiven and redeemed son of the Most High God. I have an eternal future. I have been given an identity as a man, and that is, is that I functionally am a son. I have rights. I live in the house I am in. You are a redeemed and forgiven daughter of the most high God. Your marriage is not your identity. I can enter now into relational conflict because I'm free. I'm a son who knows who he is. And your words to me don't indict or accuse or make me be something other than that. Many of you in your fights or your fights with your friends will look at each other and you'll call, you'll say to each other a name. It's things like this. You're a blankety-blank loser. Those are, that's an identity statement. That's a nuclear bomb in somebody's life. That's not who you are. And that's not how we should be talking with one another. I enter the turmoil and the difficulty with this, with a mirror, with my wife and I, Shelley. Even my coworkers, I enter into the turmoil and difficulty with this mirror I have in front of me pointing back at me. Follow this now. I'm listening for all the ways that God is going to address my sin and my blind spots and my failures and my messes through my wife or through my husband or through my friends, and I'm actually going to try to do something with God's strength and God's miraculous power. I'm going to actually try to listen to it. So many couples are asking the question, who needs to change? With one answer in mind, and their answer is you. I'll tell you who needs to change, my husband needs to change. I'll tell you who needs to change, my wife needs to change. We're like the tin man in the Wizard of Oz who believed that all his problems would be solved if he only had a what? What? That's right. Here's the lyric for those musicians here. When a man's an empty kettle, I am. I feel like that many days. And he should be on his metal, and yet I'm torn apart just because I'm presuming that I could be a human if I only had a heart. We believe that all of our problems would be solved, obviously, if our spouse changed, We don't want to put the mirror back on us and in our relationships as well. We change the lyrics of the song and we would sing it like this just because I'm presuming, that's right, you're getting this, that I could be a human if my spouse only got her life together and cooked me meals and listened to me and I'll finish it and keep going, 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 going. Let me just tell you something. A lot more problems and a lot more difficulty and turmoil would be solved if we changed our focus, and we changed our focus from our spouse to who? To us. But that only comes when you, when you understand who you are, that you're free to actually turn the mirror on yourself. Why don't we want to do that we don't want to face the pain of our inadequacies? What's going on, by the way? Stop for a minute. Don't think about anything else you're going to do, and think about this question. What? is going on deep within us that makes us such prideful people please please think about that question what is going on am i do do am i not do i not understand that all that all i am is what god's given me that i'm just this redeemed mess that I'm not going to ever probably get it right, that it's not going to be perfect? Think about it. And, and, and could I actually give that kind of grace to my wife? Could I, could I actually embrace her for her redeemed messiness and her me? And could we, could we have fun with that together it, as friends? Could we, could we actually laugh about it and go to the God with open hands about it and say, we need everything that you have? Think, imagine this for a minute. Imagine if you had a person that came to the conflict table and they saw themselves the way I'm describing. They saw themselves as a very needy, hungry, redeemed mess that has a lot of issues and problems. But what they want to do in the conflict is they want to hear the Lord speak and do something in their lives. They want to have the Lord reveal all the messiness to them, about them. And, rem- and think about this now. Now get the image. If I come to the table like that, can you imagine how cool it would be if my wife came to the table like that? Do you get the picture? Do you get the picture? Then it's not when we sit at the table, it's not about this. Well, I'm winning this, and I'm right here, and you're not validating me here. It's totally different, right? Is it? I'm a redeemed mess but i got to tell you something that's a bitter pill to swallow because I want to be perfect and I want to do it right and I don't want to hurt my wife and I don't want to have blind spots and I don't want to run over people but guess what? I do. Lastly, I want you to look at this verse as I close. Look at this verse. Who among you "'fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant. "'Let him who walks in the dark who has no light "'trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. "'But now, all you who light fires "'and provide yourselves with flaming torches, "'go, walk in the light of your fires "'and of the torches you have set ablaze. "'This is what you shall receive from my hand. "'You will lie down in torment.' As I close, I want you to know that I'm the, definitely the chief of sinners who relates to this. But let me tell you what this verse is talking about. This verse is talking about what happens when men and women, just like us, find themselves in a very difficult and dark and turmoil-filled place, and we move into the thing that we do the best, which is scramble mode. And we ask questions like this, what do I do? If you're a man, you ask this question, how can I fix it? Uh, Just as a little piece of advice, after 30 years of marriage, you can't fix your wife. Oh, thank God I just said that. You, You serve a fixer who fixes things like way different than we do and has way different timelines than we do. But you're not, a, you're not a fixer. But what this verse is talking about is this talking about this idea that many of us, when we face these dark places, we ask, these, we ask the questions, we, th- we, we do things like this. How can I manage and control this situation? What do I need to change? What do I need to do? Or we even go to this, listen now, what expert do I need to talk to? What book could I possibly read about what I'm going through that's going to help me in this? And I've talked with you about this before, but I think I want to talk to you about it again. What Google search could possibly supply me with what I need in my pain? I'm pregnant. I'm not. I'm just giving you an illustration. (laughs) And my baby's growing inside of me, but I'm having struggle because I have pain in my stomach that's unusual. And the pain actually is so dark and is hurting so much that I want to... I want to go to my knees and I just want to cry out to the Lord but I don't I go to my Mac and I look on the computer and after three hours of searching I'm as confused as I as I started what are we looking for what are we looking for in all this turmoil and difficulty in our dark places what are we looking for are we not looking for this how, am I gonna, how is my pain going to be relieved? So I think that if I'm going ha- to handle my pain by being possibly in control, if I understand it more. Let me ch- just tell you something, young, young people, and, and hear this because it's a really good statement. There's a massive atmospheric difference between wisdom and information. God, in His sovereign will, through his the person of his son Jesus is wisdom he's given all that you need for life and godliness right here last week i challenged you and i asked you are you ready to serve a sovereign lord are you ready to say yes to god If you're ready to serve a sovereign Lord, are you ready to accept God's version of the story that he's writing for you right now? Or are you going to go into scramble mode? What if the very pain you're feeling right now could be the very thing that the Lord wants to do to do nothing more than to drive you to your knees so that you open up your hands and say, Lord, I give it all. It's you. You, I trust you with all of this darkness. Help me. You are my sustenance. You are my strength. You and the person of your son is exactly what I need. And Lord, you do that in your time. Seriously? Seriously, would we actually be a people? Some of you are really hating what I'm saying right now. But I think you need to hear this: How long are we going to be a people of fear? that completely believes that the way we're going to handle our relationships and the pain of our lives is by what we know and what we can find out. The Lord invites you as a son and as his daughter back into his lap. And he says this, I got this. I'm your Lord. It's good. It's good for us to hear. Let's pray. God, thank you for Midtown and these beautiful people that are in front of me. We pray that, uh, Lord, your gospel came out of this crazy sermon today and that we would huddle around the fire of you sending us your son, Jesus. And, Jesus, we thank you for coming. And we thank you for the ramifications of the cross in our lives. And we thank you that we now have an eternal future and identity even peace into this day's world. Lord, many of us in this audience, oh, a lot of us are really, uh, even secretly in a dark place. We're not content. We're discouraged. We're hurting. And we need you. We bow before you, sovereign God, to do your work and to do it the way that you want to do it in our lives. Lord, I pray for oneness. I pray for the oneness in so many of the the beautiful groups that we have here and our beautiful and crazy marriages as well. I pray that there would be a man in here today that would go home and do nothing more than to look at his wife and ask deeply for forgiveness. I pray that, Lord, you would be honored and glorified in the beautiful words that emanate from our mouths because of what you and you only have done in our lives. We thank you.